Good morning, guys. Welcome, everyone. Happy to see you guys this morning. Um, like Lynn said, we're in our, our our series right now. We're halfway through our, our Naturally Supernatural series, and I hope everyone has been able to join a life group. Um, if you haven't, you can still do that, like she said, anytime over the next four weeks. I haven't made it to the first two, so but I'm excited to, and I'm hoping to this week. Um, but those are just a great way to just grow in community and get to know one, you know, one another and, and just share our lives with each other. And so um, excited for that. So join one of those. Um, we also have a few devotionals left out in the lobby that go along with these, this series that we've written that are just like a daily devotional that you read through every day as we go through this series. So if you'd like to grab one of those, we have, a, I think, a few left out on the info table as well. Um, but just to kind of recap and, and talk about what we've been talking about, kind of an overview, um, we've been talking about being people who are naturally supernatural. And what that means is that we're made for the supernatural. Um, as Christians, as born-again believers, it's supposed to be our natural. It's never supposed to be separated from our lives. Our lives are the spaces where heaven and earth consistently overlap. Our lives are the place where heaven and earth consistently overlap. We're God's people. We're living temples. Scripture says we're living temples, the dwelling place of God. Jesus lives in our hearts through faith, and the Holy Spirit indwells within us, each one of us. That means we can know God. We can actually know God. He, he speaks to us, and he speaks through us to other people. Our lives are supposed to walk in step in relationship with him. You know, in our secular world, um, you know, often a person's only reference points for the supernatural is Hollywood or fantasy or um, reality TV weirdness kind of thing. The comfort of God's spirit being exhibited naturally in naturally supernatural ways for many is, is the start, or is the opening door to a, a relationship with God. When they have an experience with the living God, it brings them into relationship with him. Being naturally supernatural, it has become a vineyard distinctive um, for our movement. It's a distinctive to who we are for several reasons. Number one, it means everybody gets to play. You can be uniquely yourself, and God still uses you. It relieves pressure to perform. Um, you can actually act normal, and God will still show up on your good days and your bad days. You know, he's still there. It opens up ministry opportunities outside of the church, in the marketplace, in our lives, in, in the, you know, the, the spaces of our lives outside of here, not just inside this building. Um, when, when, we're, when we act naturally supernatural, outsiders don't feel intimidated or put off or like, feel like, like we're trying to sell them something because there's no weirdness. Right? Um, and finally, being naturally supernatural paves the way to actually experience God's love and healing presence in a way that feels neither threatening or embarrassing. And so Jesus invites every one of us to partner with him in this, and in this work of bringing life and love to people around us. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. He gives us tools so that we can do that as a normal part of our lives. And so for the next three weeks in this series, we're going to focus on the tools of the Holy Spirit and learning to recognize them and walk naturally supernatural in our daily lives. So let's just pray real quick and we'll jump in. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. Father, I thank you that you have the, you've sent the spirit, and it's the greatest gift. You don't give us a, a bad gift. You're the best, Father. You give us the best gift, and that is the gift of your presence, the gift of yourself. 
So I invite right now, we just invite your presence to come in this room right now. Just flow right now, Holy Spirit, in this room. I ask that you would flow like a river this morning, God, in this space. That we would get caught up in your presence, God. That we would, we would go with you where you're going. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we looked at the book of Ezekiel. We looked, we looked at chapter 47 and, and the, at this picture of a river flowing from the dwelling place of God that brings life and it, it brings healing wherever it flows. We talked about how this river of God's presence is a picture of the Holy Spirit. We know that he comes from the Father and Son and he, he's poured out over the whole earth and it, he brings peace and he brings life and he brings healing and he brings righteousness and justice where he goes. Another way to look at this um, is by looking at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a geological place. It's not a geological place, but refers to the rule and reign of God. Um, It's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's a person, but the Spirit carries the the authority and and the power of the kingdom wherever the Spirit goes. And this is twofold in the life of every believer. Number one, the presence of God now lives in us and manifests to us and through us by the Holy Spirit as his river of living water flows through us. And then the Spirit dwells in us, transforming us and empowering us to bring healing and life wherever we go. So likewise, our lives come into alignment, come under the lordship of Jesus in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is power outside of us, but also power within us. His righteousness, his love, his authority rest upon our lives as we walk in his grace and carry out his mission to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom in power. So Paul links these two together in an interesting verse in Romans 14, verse 17. You can turn there if you want, or it'll be on the screen. He says, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not food or drink, but righteousness and peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. This verse identifies the source of the kingdom of God as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the kingdom of God to expression in our lives. The kingdom and the Holy Spirit are are inseparable. They're never one without the other. We've got to understand that. The Holy Spirit has many roles in our lives. Generally, the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture as being in people and being on people. And I highly suggest doing a study of the aspects and the roles of the Holy Spirit in believers and unbelievers. The uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then the book of Acts are primarily focused on the Spirit, Spirit's role on Jesus and on believers in power. Okay? And then, whereas the Gospel of John and John 1, 2, and 3 are primarily focused on the Spirit within believers. So those are good places to start to kind of study the, diff- the two differences. Um, the Holy Spirit's role in believers is that of transforma- transformation, as I said earlier. It's to change who we are on the inside, to bring us into identity, to bring us into the destiny that Jesus has given us as righteous sons and daughters of God. The Spirit operates in us and on us and reveals God to us at the deepest levels of who we are. The presence of the Spirit within us is the stamp, it's the seal upon us that we belong to God 
And as such, we're under his kingdom authority and in his family. Equally important, the, the Spirit's role on believers is linked to the manifest power of God. He comes upon us to release his power of the kingdom through us. A helpful picture is all the way back in Genesis 1. We're not going to read it, but if you remember, the, the earth is form, formless and void, right? And, the, and we see a picture of the Holy Spirit hovering over the, the waters of the earth, right? And, and over the face of the waters, over this chaos and over this void, and acting as a catalyzing power as God speaks the word, right? Let there be life. Let there be light. The word comes into contact with the hovering presence of the Holy Spirit. An explosion happens of life, right, in creation. And so that's what happens when, when, when the Holy Spirit's resting on somebody in our lives under the, over the chaos and void of somebody's life, and we see the Father moving, and we speak that word, Jesus, you know, whatever that is, that life, it comes into the power of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom comes into the life, into the chaos, into the void of someone's life, into their situation. And so that's so we understand that where the manifest presence of God is, where that hovering spirit is, there's going to be power there, right? There's explosive power there. The, the power is in the presence, as John Wimberg used to say. Understanding the spirit has been poured out over all flesh in Acts 2, right? that promise that the Spirit's been poured out over all flesh, that means everyone is a target. Every situation, every circumstance, everything is a target for the Holy Spirit's power to come into contact with. There's nothing off limits for the Holy Spirit. So we understand that. We understand that He wants to come into the chaos. He wants to come into the void and into the dead spaces of their lives and bring healing and life. And this is how we, how and where we minister naturally, supernaturally. This is how we minister in that space. We understand our job is to partner with God in what he's doing. As we see the manifest presence of God moving on someone, we speak the word that the Holy Spirit then uses as a catalyst to bring the kingdom of God into their life. So what does that look like? What are our tools for the ministry and the kingdom and the Holy Spirit? So I'm glad you asked that question, right? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. In this section of the letter that Paul's writing, he lists nine different categories in a discussion about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Paul's purpose here is not to provide an exhaustive list of spiritual activities. He's actually answering some questions that the Corinthians had sent him. And so he's writing them back, but, but he's, he's, he's explaining that the source of all the manifestations are the same Holy Spirit. So what they were used to was having all these different gods and, and you know, making sacrifices or doing some, some thing to try to get power from each of these different gods, and each one had a different blessing or power, right? And he's saying, no, in, in the real God <laughs> has sent his spirit, and he is the one spirit who does everything in everyone. He's the one who brings the blessing. He's the one with the power, the same Holy Spirit. There's not different spirits. There's not different gods. It's the same. It's one God, and he's the one who pours out these blessings and spirits. And so this is what he's writing. And so we can understand and we can learn many things by studying what Paul is writing in this message. One thing is that if we, if we take a careful reading, it shows that Paul is discussing spiritual manifestations. That is, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, um, manifestations of the, the power of God, the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Some manifestations comes, come as gifts. Some come through different descriptions. 
what he's saying is, is that this, might, this is what it might look like when the river of God's presence comes into the river. Okay? This, is what, this is what it might look like, and this is what it might look like when it touches people. Okay? There's, some, there's some of the supernatural manifestations of the kingdom of God breaking in. This is what it looks like when the kingdom of God breaks in. So Paul starts off by saying, we're in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning the spiritual, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. So right off the bat, he's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand the things of the Spirit. I want you to understand them. Uh, you can know them, and I want you to know them. Er, and he, he, later he writes, I want you to earnestly pursue them, go after them. So he goes on on verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts of the same Spirit. There's varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in every one. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So he's saying, again, it's not different gods. It's the, it's the one God who's doing all these things together. And through the different aspects of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we interact with God differently, and he gives us different things. He gives us um, gifts. He gives us services, varieties of services and varieties of activities, but it's the same God who does it all. He activates and empowers all of them in every one. So to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Then verse 8, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of powerful deeds, miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of those tongues. All these are activated and empowered by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. These spiritual manifestations, or gifts from the Holy Spirit, have long been you know, a subject of discussion in the church. Some denominations and churches uh, believe that these manifestations uh, were only part of the apostles' ministry to write the Bible and establish the church, and once that happened, then it stopped. Okay? That's some churches and denominations do believe that. Um, those are our brothers and sisters. Um, other, other churches and denominations believe that these gifts from the Spirit only were given to specific individuals, right? The pastor, or the teacher, or, you know, the really godly person might get a few, you know, and, and we only get a few, and that's it. You're allotted a couple in life, and then, you know, live your life, and those are the ones you get. Um, here in the vineyard, we believe that the ultimate gift that every believer has is the Holy Spirit himself. We get the best gift. We get the Holy Spirit himself. And then as we receive the Holy Spirit and he works in our lives at different points, he himself manifests how he chooses in these different ways. And so what that means is we strongly believe that we can learn how to recognize what the Spirit's doing in a moment and partner with him. Okay? If he's giving a word of knowledge, we can learn how to do that and see that and work with him. He's giving uh, a word in tongues. We can learn how to see that and partner and do that with him. Um, this is part of what, we natu what being naturally supernatural means. We all have the same Holy Spirit, which is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, right? Everything that Jesus did, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. He emptied himself of his godliness, took a, a form just like us, and relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do his ministry. And so we have the same Holy Spirit. We get to do all the things that Jesus did. 
So Paul instructs the people of Corinth in chapter 12 to desire and to pursue specific gifts. So why would he do that if they weren't available? He would just be setting them up for, for disappointment and failure if, if they weren't all available. He says, pursue these things. Go, go after these. You have a chance to operate in them. And so I want to show you a video from a man named Reinhard Bonnke, if you've ever heard of him. He's one of my heroes in the faith. Reinhard was a German Pentecostal evangelist known for his gospel missions throughout Africa and beyond. Um, through the ministry that he was part of, Christ for All Nations, they've actually seen over 75 million people give their lives to Jesus. I don't know how they recorded that. Maybe like people filled out cards or something. 75 million, can you imagine that? That's wild. Um, though he wasn't part of the vineyard, uh, he shared a similar practice when it comes to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and, and our job as believers. So go ahead and roll that and make sure to turn that sound up. Of the different gifts, I just would like to, to share with you who have such interest in it uh, how I have come to view the gifts of the Spirit in my ministry. And I believe that is actually valid for all of us. Now, number one, the gifts of the Spirit are not medals of honor to be worn on Sunday morning at church. They are no merits at all. They are gifts. If you had to work for them, it, they wouldn't be gifts, but they are gifts. I remember when I was a young man in the, in the, in the, in the church of my father at that time, we were always saying, he's got three gifts, and he has four. And our pastor has eight. Wow, that was not quite the ultimate, but almost the ultimate. Should have been nine. They were like medals of honor. We were awed by them. And then when I was in Africa, I realized one thing. The gifts of the spirit are not medals of honor. They are tools for the job. There are tools, tools for different jobs. You need a hammer when you need a hammer, but you need a saw when you need a saw, and pliers when you need pliers. And the different tools can do different jobs. That is important. And this is how I see the gifts of the Spirit. It's not that I have to possess all nine at all. When God gives me a job to do, and I report for work in the morning at his gate, he will give me exactly the appropriate tool for the job he wants to have done. Today it may be to heal the sick. Tomorrow it may be to raise the dead. Or the next day I would need discernment of spirits. He will give me the tool. 
not to possess it, but to use it. And he will always give it at the right time, the right gift for the right job. How do you like that? And if you follow this picture, many, many things will fall into place. I don't need to have all nine tools in waiting. I get the right one when I need it. I have the right one. I can cast out devils when there are devils to be cast out in the name of Jesus. The power set up. How's the power set up? That's the way I have come to realize and learn in the school of the Holy Spirit. They are on my platform in Africa. I'm an evangelist, just an evangelist. I'm not a professor of theology, so don't expect too much. <laughs> I know how the Holy Spirit works because I see him working. I see him working. When, the whole, when we get the power of the Holy Spirit, let's say in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's not, he's not going to give you a tank full that you carry on your back loaded with power. No. There's a tank full. Be thankful. No, no, no. That's not what it is. What did he say in John 15? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. You are the branches. We must abide in him. We must remain connected with him. And as we remain connected with him, there will be a flow of life and of power, non-stop, day and night, moment by moment. We don't own the power. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Because he has all power. And we are connected with him. We are not a reservoir. We are more a faucet. We don't own the power. We just let it pass through. Say amen. amen. The, the whole secret is to remain connected. Amen. amen. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. It was such a relief to me when I realized that I'm not a power reservoir. I'm just a faucet. I just release it. I don't own it. I just release it. A faucet doesn't own the water. It just releases the water. And that is so true of the power of God. And the gifts of the Spirit, as I said already, they are tools for the job. Can you say amen to that? 
Reinhardt said it better than I can. For sure. Um, we have power tools, right? Has anybody ever worked with tools before? Ever tried to do a job without tools? That's just doesn't work very well, right? I've learned that there are so many tools, and somebody's already created the perfect tool for the job that you need. Um, it's out there somewhere. The Holy Spirit knows which one it is, and he gives it to us when we need it, right? We don't have to try to figure out, what do I need? He, he's there in power to do the thing that needs to be done. He has it, and so he, he, he lets us, and he teaches us how to use it, right? Um, the gifts of the Spirit are the love language of God. We've got to understand that as well. Not only are there, there power tools for the kingdom, they're also the love language of God. The fruit of the Spirit are his expressions of love grown inside people, but he distributes his gifts because he loves people and he teaches us how to use them because he loves partnering with us. If you've ever been around somebody who knows how to do a job and use a tool, a fotherly figure in my life, you know, they are they're loving me by showing me how to do that job most of the time, you know? And they, they teach me how to do that out of love so that I am, I am equipped to do that thing and just spending time together, right? Why are these gifts given? First, they're given to glorify God, number one, to put his love and power and authority on display. We never have permission to, to move in power in a way that misrepresents God. We don't have that. We don't have that. We're not allowed to do that. It's always about displaying the love of God. Secondly, they're given to build up the church. Paul writes, now that each one of these manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good, right? And he writes again, two chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. So to build up, to use another word, is to edify the church, right? The last reason the gifts are given is to love and serve those around us. It doesn't take a lot of sensitivity or compassion to see that there are needs in the world, right? We understand that everywhere that there are people, there are people that are hungry. There are people who are sick. There, there are people who are confused, people who are depressed, people who are suicidal, right? It's not hard to find those people. God gives us tools so that as the church, we can meet the needs of the world around us. He's given you the tools to meet the needs of the world around you. You're the one, <laughs> you know. Jesus has sent you to do those things, and he's going to teach you how to do those things. Gifts aren't to be stored up in the church as spiritual gifts, like they're part of some kind of bank account, like a private bank account. Spiritual gifts are not to be just employed in the church. I believe one of the major reasons that we struggle with seeing or we there seems to be infrequency in the, of the miraculous is because we've confined spiritual gifts to the four walls of the church. Have you noticed that Jesus's, many of his miracles happened outside of the, the, the synagogue, right? Outside of the place of worship. They happened out in the streets among the people. Um, there, were, there were occasional healings in the religious context, but most of the healings occurred not in the temple, not in the synagogue, but in the world, in the streets, and in the marketplace. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard, used to say the meat is in the streets. That was a saying that he said. And what that means is that the meat is in the streets because the church's identity is found not only in what we believe, but what we do outside of here, what we do outside of here. I've noticed that way more people get healed out in the streets than they do in Sunday morning services. It just happens more out there because that's where, not that there's not a need in here, 
but God is, is moving towards the world. That's what he's doing. And so we see a lot more outside than we do sometimes on Sunday morning ministry time. If you want to experience more spiritual manifestations, if you want to see the kingdom come, then start engaging with these gifts outside of the four walls of the church. And, and go out into the community. Sign up for the spring break mission. Do something outside and see the power of God move. I want to show you a chart that we borrowed from the School of Kingdom Ministry. Uh, School of Kingdom Ministry is a class that's set up for nine months where we take time to intentionally pursue and learn how to do this stuff. We press in. And so um, we've borrowed this chart. You may have gotten one as you came in. If you, if you didn't, we'll have more. It's kind of hard to see on the screen there. Um, but this kind of helps us understand these nine situational gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We've broken these nine down into different categories, three sets of threes, and have given some short definitions to each set. Um, I'm not going to read through all of those things, but this morning we're going to focus on that first set, the revelatory tools, and then the next two weeks we're going to go to the other two sets. Um, the, rev the revelatory tools, like the other nine manifestations, are part of our lives with the Holy Spirit in us and upon us. They reveal the mind of God to us. They flow out of intimacy with the heart of the Father. They are information, they are understanding and discernment from God being revealed to us. Many people feel like God doesn't speak to them um, because they're looking in the wrong places, actually. God lives on the inside of us now. And so if we're listening to hear God, we need to listen differently. We've got to look from within not from outside. God did a lot to get inside of you, and he's not like trying to go back outside of you to try to talk to you. He usually talks from the outside of us loudly because we're not listening, <laughs> right? Like he's trying to get in our attention. And so we have to learn how to listen differently. He's living on the inside of us now. One of the best ways to recognize what God's voice sounds like is from meditating on Scripture where he speaks to other people. You want to hear what he sounds like? Meditate on Scripture where he speaks to other people. He's going to speak to you in a similar way. So let's let's break down these three in this set: words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and um, discernment of spirits. Words of knowledge can be a very useful tool in ministry. It's a way that, of God highlighting what He's doing in a person so that we can work with Him. Words of knowledge are relatively easy to operate in. Once you're aware of God speaking in such ways, it can give a great boost of faith or, uh, for, for healing or prophecy when we're doing ministry for other people. Words of knowledge usually fall into two types or two categories. Number one is information, knowledge, or pictures about a person, place, or thing. Okay, Information, knowledge, pictures about a person, place, or thing. And number two, information about an area in need of healing, either in their physical body or in their emotions, or in their relationships. That's how they kind of play out in ministry. When it's, when it's a knowledge about, when it's the first one, a knowledge about a person, place, or thing, um, words of knowledge act as a key, kind of like a key to open up the heart and mind of someone, they, you know, to receive a prophetic message, to receive the love of God. They point out that God's real and he knows them. Like it's, a, it's, it's information that nobody else would know but God knows this. He's sharing it to point out, I know you, I love you, I want to speak to you. In the same way, words of knowledge about a person expressed to them that the Father created them 
and wants to be part of their life, wants to be part of, wants to be in a relationship with them. He's not far away. He actually right here, he knows what you're going through. Words of knowledge express to people significance and intimacy. And they're a conduit to express the personal heart of the Father to people. Some biblical examples, um, just one, is John 1, 47 through 50. This is when Jesus is calling his disciples to himself. I'll read it here. Jesus, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Jesus saw Nathanael through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't standing like, you know, around the corner hiding and like looking at him under the fig tree. He saw Nathanael by the power of the Holy Spirit as a word of knowledge. And this was the key that unlocked Nathanael's heart in such a way that when he said this, his response was, you are the son of God. Jesus wasn't going around telling people he was the son of God. Like, this, this impacted him so much that he said, you're the son of God, you are the king. Whatever this happened, you know, like, whatever, that, that, that word of knowledge affected him so much um, that he knew that. Some examples of kinds of words of knowledge that we'll receive, names, numbers, significant dates, addresses, family members, jobs or titles, picture of something having to do with their past or their present, something like that. When it, the second thing, when the, word is a, when the word of knowledge is information about an area in need of healing, either in somebody's physical body or in their emotions or in their relationships, it's just for that purpose, right? To show the love of power of God and to bring the person's mind, their will, their spirit, and their body under the lordship of Jesus, into wholeness, right? Into alignment with the kingdom of God. That's what it's for. So when wor- words of wisdom, moving on to the second one, are are very similar to words of knowledge, except rather than information that's communicated, a word of wisdom is an insight, understanding, or solution. A word of wisdom often unlocks a process or a direction for a person to pursue what the Lord wants to undertake. So words of wisdom take an additional faith component because a little more than words of knowledge because they're directional in nature. What I mean is, if a word of knowledge, like if we give a word of knowledge and it's wrong, we just say, hey, sorry, I got that wrong. I just didn't hear the Lord right. And there's usually not, no harm done, right? But a word of wisdom done wrong, gotten wrong can cause a person to misuse time, misuse energy and resources because it's directional in nature. And so for a lot, of, a lot of times, because it's so directional, we kind of shy away from trying to give words of wisdom. Um, but it's important that we actually not back off from that and actually push into that and learn how to hear God accurately and trust what we hear and, and walk through a process with somebody when we give them a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Don't just say, hey, here's the word of wisdom. See you later. Good luck with that. But actually, like, walk, if we're in a relationship, walk with them through that, those things. Um, there, there are a lot of valuable insights that God wants to give us that we'll miss if we're too afraid to grow in words of wisdom. We need God's wisdom, right? We don't, not just human wisdom. Human wisdom is good, but we need God's wisdom. That's the best wisdom. Some examples of words of wisdom. Um, I knew a story about a man was coming into a healing room situ- kind of situation, 
that he had some stomach issues. So he came in with a, a physical healing need, and God showed the prayer team. Uh, with They didn't ask for specifics. They asked the Holy Spirit what was happening, and they showed him that, that he needed to change his diet by showing them a picture of veggies and fruit. Like, showed the prayer team a picture of veggies and fruit and, and said, hey, what's your diet like? I saw this picture of this vegetables and fruit and what's going on there. And it turns out the guy didn't eat any vegetables. So, like, you know, if we think about that, obviously that's why you're not feeling well. But, but like, they didn't ask for that situation. Like, he didn't volunteer that information. The Holy Spirit showed them that, and then they asked. They said, okay, here's the solution. That's the word of wisdom. Another example, um, I've heard about a small business that, that fabricated these unique fixtures, and they were struggling with competition in, in, the, in the market, and they weren't making any money, but they had a much better quality than the, their competitors. And they came in for a, a, a prayer session, and the word of wisdom that God gave during that prayer time was to raise their prices by a huge margin. And they followed the word of wisdom and ended up becoming the leading company in their field. A biblical example, I'm not going to have time to read it, but is John 8, 1 through 11. Remember the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, right? People were about to stone her. Jesus came in with the word of wisdom that disarmed them. And then after they left, had the word of wisdom to her to have her change her life. Lastly, we're going to talk about discerning of spirits really quickly. This kind of operates in two different ways as well. The first is to distinguish whether the source of something, an action or a manifestation is demonic, human, or from God. So this is really helpful in ministry, as you could imagine, if someone is um, under the influence of a demon, to know that that's what that is and we need to do deliverance is very, very helpful, right? Or if a sickness is caused by a demonic presence or caused by something, right? To know that, to discern what's going on. Maybe they're, they're, they're making poor choices and to understand that's a human element, right? Um, or what God's doing in somebody. Somebody's on the floor laughing. You know, that's probably the Holy Spirit bringing joy into their life. Um, it's kind of like a red light, green light in ministry where we can use to determine whether we should, you know, shut things down or let them continue. The second type of discernment involves recognizing the Holy Spirit's presence um, or work upon someone or in the room moving, you know, and to see how he's, where he's hovering and what he wants to do. So we could talk about these different, th you know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, sermon of spirits for hours, um, but we're not going to this morning. Um, but if you have any questions, we can totally talk after today's service, and I highly recommend taking School of Kingdom Ministry if you haven't. Um, it gives us a framework for how God speaks to us and and, and I want to talk about that just a tiny bit, just a framework of how God speaks to us. Um, different people tend to discern or get words of knowledge or wisdom differently. Um, in my life, one of my greatest examples for words of knowledge was actually my dad. He did this, like, everywhere we went in restaurants, and we, like, we'd be like, oh, dad's doing it again. Like, come on, he's talking to the server. Like, come on. But, but it was powerful things. People would end up crying, you know, because the power of God just gave him a tiny little thing, and that was part of his nature, just who he is to share that love of God with somebody. And it, it disarmed them, and it, it brought the presence of God right there as a, as a place of landing in their life, right? He's my greatest example of that, and knowing that that's a reality, that those that kind of prophetic words that go along with that are real. 
and change people's lives. Um, but just to give us a framework for how God speaks to us, most commonly it happens through our in-the-moment impressions and thoughts in our imaginations and our physical body and in our emotions. So I'm just going to like go through a list of six different ways, common ways, and if you have experienced this, I'll just ask you to raise your hand just so you can, can, can understand and, and realize that this is God speaking to us, right? So number one is seeing. So like a mental picture of something or a vision played out like a video in our mind. So everyone close your eyes real quick. We're just going to do an exercise. Imagine an apple on a table. Imagine an apple on a table. Now, what color is that apple? Where on the table is it located? Is it whole or is there a bite taken out of it? Your imagination, your mind's eye, that space, is a place God wants to speak to you. Whatever that is. Second one, hearing. Words that pass through our mind. So exercise. Think of a recent conversation that you had with a loved one. So just think of a recent conversation you had with a loved one. Can you hear their voice in your head? Can you hear it? Do you remember the words that they spoke? That is also another place where the Holy Spirit loves to speak to us. In that space. The third one is feeling. So either emotionally or physically. Um, has to do with an issue someone else is dealing with. So example, have you ever been in a place and all of a sudden it just felt like you walked into like a spiritual cobweb? Like maybe you're like at Kroger and then you walk down an aisle and you're just like, whoa, what the heck's going on here? Like, it's not from you. It's like something in the space is, you know, that's, that's feeling, right? That's an example. Have you ever woken up in the night with the urge to pray for someone? Like that intercession, that's a feeling. That's a place where God's speaking to you. Another, another one is reading. So um, actually he, seeing or hearing words written on a person or elsewhere. This is kind of a weird one, but um, an example that I c- could think of is like this usually happens with our eyes open. Um, have you ever watched a 90s sitcom where like there's an intro at the beginning and like somebody's doing something and they freeze and like their the actor or actress's name appears like over their body? You remember that? Um, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, best way to describe it. Or another way to describe it is like if you're just near someone and you just hear one word like joyful or heartbroken, like that kind of thing, that one word kind of thing is, is an example of reading. Anyone ever experienced that before? Anyone? There's a few people. Yeah, but God does that. Uh, the fifth one, knowing an inner feeling or sense about a specific itch, issue or situation Example, um, a hunch, like a spiritual hunch. I just got a hunch about this thing. Intuition, uh, just something that you know that you know that you know. No one told you anything about a situation, you just know. And you know details. Like no one told you, but you know the details. Um, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but if I say the word rubber dodgeball, chances are most of you know what that is. You know what the smell of that is and the feeling of being whacked with one in the face, right? You just know. If you know, you know, right? That kind of thing. Um, you know that impact. Uh, and then the last one, six, is speaking. Speaking. So words just like come out of your mouth 
having bypassed your mind. And an example is maybe you're praying for someone and it's like God just begins to speak out of your mouth. Like you're not thinking about what you're saying, but he's like speaking right out of your mouth and speaking words of life. So has anybody experienced all the different ones of those at any point in your life? Cool. What I want to encourage you to do is press into those things and ask God for, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to, to teach you some of the other ways that you haven't experienced before. just want to encourage you in that. So I talked a lot, and we're going to go into worship in a minute. But just to end here, I want everybody to stand up. And I just want to pray um, a, a prayer of blessing and impartation. And uh, who are my current Sockham students? Could you raise your hand? Current Sockham students. Cool. What I want you to do is while I pray, I want you to go around and just bless people around you. So, yeah, let's just put our hands out like we're receiving a gift. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now. Father, I thank you for giving us again the best gift, the gift of your presence, you, the gift of yourself, God. So more than your manifestations, we want your presence, God, and, and everything that comes with it, God. So I just ask right now, you would flow in this space right now. You would move right now. We want you, God. I just, I just right now, I bless everybody in this room. Soccer students, you guys can go around and, and bless people. I bless every person in this room and people listening online. I bless your ability to hear God. I bless your ability to see God. I bless your ability to know God. And I ask for an increase right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would stir up the things that you've already deposited in each one of us. I thank you that you're living inside each and every one. And I ask you to fill us up to overflowing even right now, God. I thank you for your tools, God. And I ask that you would be our teacher, God, to how to bring your kingdom and power, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I bless the in-the-moment impressions. I bless our thoughts. I bless our imagination. I bless the physical body. I bless emotions right now. To be able to hear and see and align with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the kingdom of God, with Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move. If there's any place where we've tried this and it hasn't worked, I ask that you would bring a holy dissatisfaction, a holy hunger to press in again and try again and knock and keep knocking to go after these things, God, to earnestly pursue your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.